0: Welcome to the next installment of the Farzad Nizbahi podcast. Today, I have the great Jeremy Knight. Jeremy Knight runs a YouTube channel uh, where he talks about Austin real estate. Uh, He does have uh, if you just search for Jeremy Knight right on YouTube, he'll come right up. And he's also a Tesla owner and uh, I'm assuming a Tesla fan. So I'm super excited to sit down with Jeremy and and talk about Austin real estate, talk about Tesla, uh, how that sort of dynamic is going right now. But yeah, Jeremy, thank you uh, for coming on and welcome.
1: Yeah, I appreciate it. And uh, I mean, I appreciate all the uh, nice words about my channel and everything. So, yeah, thank you. I'm I'm excited.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So maybe give uh, give the audience a little bit about yourself, uh, your background, how long you've been in real estate, uh, things like that. I'll, I'll just
1: uh, hand over the mic to you. Perfect. Yeah. So <clears throat> I uh, moved to Austin about 2013, started real estate kind of right thereafter. Uh, I was selling real estate with my wife. We've been a husband and wife team for a while. And I was doing a lot of uh, you know YouTube content and kind of stuff with just about um, you know Austin a little bit here and there and kind of about listings we had. And then somebody one day told me, "Is like, you know what? There's there's really no good information about Austin. So if you're searching for Austin, if you're trying to get information, there's really no good information." So I changed my channel. to Talk about what to expect when you're moving to Austin. What what what's the pros and the cons? You know, a lot of people want to just sell a city, and so I felt it was doing. People a disservice just to tell them all the good stuff. So um, we we started this uh, YouTube channel about a year and a half, a year into it. I started a podcast um, on our channel called Real Migo. So I have two other guys that'll come on um, that are, are part of my team here in Austin. And so we'll you get three different perspectives, and then we'll bring on a guest. And so it's good, you know. Austin in general, I, I would like to say, is going through an identity crisis. And people want to blame it on Tesla, right? They say Tesla's the problem, but those that's the old guard of people of the here forever. I don't think that Tesla has ever been the problem with Austin in our identity uh, crisis. So we can talk about that, what I think that is. But, um, you know, there's so many good changes happening in Austin, but with that comes a lot of bad changes. So uh, it's definitely been a, a great, you know it's been for me, I've been here 10 years, seeing where it was, where it's going. There's a lot of good pros and cons. So I'm excited about that. And as a real estate agent, this market has been kind of insane for the last two years. 2019 was a great year in real estate. 2020, the first half was very concerning. And then all of a sudden, it just lit on fire. And part of it had to do with the announcement of Tesla moving here. But we also have so many big companies moving here, because I, Austin is changing and moving towards more of a tech forward first city, you have a lot of great thinkers that are coming here. Elon's one of them. And so I'm excited that you know on my YouTube channel, we've got to talk about Elon and what he's done, the pros and the cons. And so as a Tesla owner, I'm excited he's here. As somebody who's bought property in South Padre, I love that, uh, that he's down there in Boca Chica. So uh, I, it's exciting. It's a good time in Austin. It's a good time in Texas.
0: That's great, man. And and that's one thing. So I, I've only lived in Austin since October of 2020, but sort of that excitement for the future and that growth potential of Austin's that are what really drew me here and yeah. Uh, You know, I haven't been here long enough to really understand. So like that identity crisis thing, I really want to get into. And I'm kind of so happy that you brought that up so early on. But like for me, moving into the area, there's still like, there's this very unique charm about the city. Like it feels, it feels city, but it feels small. And like, I think a lot of the people make it that way but i'm curious like from your end from from your perspective what is that identity crisis uh, that might people might be talking about and how how does tesla play into that i'm, I'm very very curious you brought that up so yeah if you don't mind
1: yeah so since about uh early 2000s austin has gone from this sleepy little city to mm-hmm. you know a tech magnet it's gone to obviously it's the capital of texas so it's always been very important if you were here in early 2000s and when I was here in 2013, it's a def- definitely a different feel. And that feel is because it was a smaller city. It was kind of a, I guess you could say a crunchy city, right? A granola city, if you will. But mm-hmm. it was one of these little cities that no- everybody was just so... When I moved here in 2013, I could not believe how friendly everybody was. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I started my real estate uh, career, I started door knocking on people's doors. Like, hey, you know, if you know, any- oh, we have an open house. Every single time I did that, I got offered in like, hey, come in and grab a Lone Star. Come in and grab a beer. Like, sit down. <laughs> let's talk about it. What's going on with you? And people are just so incredibly friendly. And so that's that's changed a little bit. So where the identity crisis happened, I think, is that because for the longest time, Austin said, you know, what? we're not growing. We're this little city. Then they put in a convention center. Then you had South by Southwest. And you have ACL. You have all these attractions here. And look, Austin is one of the most gorgeous cities I've ever been to. And so, you know, as somebody who came here in early 2000, just to uh, in the early 2000, like 2007, I came to visit. I was like, if there's any place, and I was living in San Diego at the time. I'm like, if there's any other place I leave or move to, it's going to be Austin. And so um, really the identity crisis lies in this. And the identity crisis is that Austin has been this small city. We have not been this huge city. And so as we're being forced to grow, because that is we're being forced, but it wasn't you know, there were so many tech companies here well before Tesla. I think Tesla moving here was finally people going, oh, it's a legitimate city. And Mm. the problem is, is that I don't think we were a legitimate city in the minds of on a growth pattern. So we're in this process where we're trying to grow, we're trying to figure out how to grow. And you have a lot of people who have ideas of how to grow that maybe not the best. And so now we're in this weird situation. I mean, we had a booming homeless population. I just put a video out today talking about this on my channel, but a booming homeless population because the thought was, okay, well, let's not criminalize people for being homeless. And all of a sudden, I I I, I had the mayor of Kyle on my YouTube channel and I asked him, I was like, hey, are you guys sending people from Kyle to Austin? Mm-hmm. He's like, well, in Kyle, it's illegal to be homeless. Mm-hmm. You didn't answer my question. Are you sending people to Austin? It's illegal to be homeless in in Mm -hmm. Kyle. Mm -hmm. So you had the homeless population explode in that 2020 timeframe. And that's where the voters came back and said, look, we are not going to do this. Put, put the uh, camping ban back in place. And it was our city council and our mayor who were like, no, no, you know, the voters are angry or mean for doing this, but we have such a gorgeous, gorgeous city. And it was, it was not pretty at that time. So, um, mm-hmm. so it's a lot of things like that. There's a lot of power plays going back and forth. Obviously we're a pretty liberal city. So you have the state and the city arguing back and forth. And so there's a lot of things like that, but overall, if you take all of that away Austin's one of the most gorgeous cities you can visit, even, I mean, even now it's, it's a gorgeous city and there's so many things that are happening. One thing I'm super excited about, you know, uh, you always hear the Austin's a really good food city or to, uh, uh, you know, what's the term, um, you know, a foodie city, right? Yep. It's not. It's really not. We're really good at barbecue. We're really good at Tex-Mex. Like, and so, but what's My interesting- My wife
0: would love you for saying that, because I keep saying they have good food. My wife's from New York. She's like, it's not a foodie city.
1: Yeah, I mean, I moved, look, I lived in Phoenix, and believe it or not, Phoenix is a super foodie city. It's a very okay. eclectic melting pot. I lived sure. in San Diego, total, like, just everything you want was there. And so moving yeah, yeah. here, I'm like, where's the Greek food? Where's the Indian mm-hmm. food? Where's this food? Where's that food? And you couldn't find it. And so that's why I've always said, no, I don't think it's as good. And, and Austin is known for its ambiance. So you go to a place, it's rustic, it looks fun, it's great, it's outdoors, you're drinking beer, you have a good time, and then you go to eat the food and you're like, mm. Some, something's missing here. It's flavor. Sure. And so um but to my point is that if you look at it now a lot of these people that are leaving california they're leaving new york they're opening businesses here so we're seeing some really great restaurants start to open that's kind of bringing Austin into you know this newer i think that's what's taking austin out of this identity crisis and making it an actual like viable city
0: gotcha okay very interesting and so the the way i'm thinking about that is it sounds like austin's Uh, sort of growth into what it's going to become. It's just getting started, just just based on you saying that, right? Look
1: at Houston. Houston's a gigantic city. Uh, Dallas, Fort Worth, gigantic cities. In fact, Dallas and Fort Worth are two separate cities. I see us having a point where we become Austin and then like Salado or Austin and the I-35 corridor. Because if you think about it, from uh, San Antonio up to a
0: And then sorry, Jeremy, for those that are not familiar with I-35, so I-35 yeah. goes north and south, right, right down right. Austin. Okay. Yeah,
1: yeah. So the really the made the most the largest uh freeway is north to south is I-35. Yeah. And it pretty much runs from south to tip, right? And so the I-35 corridor between San Antonio and North Austin, as you get into Colleen, is the fastest-growing metropolitan in the entire planet. So we're seeing so much explosion of growth. So at a certain point, we're going to probably see some separations in cities. In fact, when we do the numbers on, um, you know, what the sales for the area are, is you have the MSA, which is a much larger area, and then Austin itself. So mm-hmm. I, I, when I, you know, when I tell people what the stats are, it's kind of hard because. I can easily pull up the stats for Austin. It's much harder for me to get the full on stats for uh, mm-hmm. uh, the MSA. So I had to rely on the people at Texas A&M who put together the stats and I don't trust the stats. In fact, I've several times I've said these stats aren't correct. I know they're not right. I've, I've looked at mm. it on my own. So mm. anyway. Okay.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. Wow. Pretty, pretty, pretty exciting stuff. And I think so. And like, if we go back to Tesla for a second. So Tesla sure. is on the southern part of Austin, right? It's a southeast. It's, a southeast. it's right by the airport, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Perfect um, then,
1: location. In fact, in fact, side note, when Amazon was trying to find a place here, I was part of a team that was scouting locations and that location was the exact location we told them to move.
0: Really? Okay. Yes. And then so why is that? Why is it such a great location?
1: The location of the airport, the location of downtown, it's about 25 minutes of downtown. Uh, there's an executive airport just north of that. So if you have executives flying in instead of having to fly to uh, ABIA, and then if you have people that are putting in facilities in like Bastrop or East or North, um, along that the, I, along that outside corridor, which is really 130, there's, there's nothing. There's still mm. not a whole lot. So the idea is that you'll see a ton of development. So all like, think about it now. So Tesla is having to, you know, have manufacturers come in to help them with plastics and things like that. So Kyle, they put up, uh, brought in a manufacturing plant to help with plastics. It's like 300 and something employees going there. The greatest part is that uh, there's a basically a toll road that goes right to Tesla from mm. there. So mm. the location couldn't have been more perfect. And I, you know, obviously Elon's a super smart dude, but I mean, I might be as smart as Elon because I said that was a good spot. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm not. We found know. his replacement. We found <laughs> yeah, his yeah. replacement. No, please don't. Yeah, yeah. If you wanted the the company to go down, yeah. Yeah. I'm just gonna say That's more funny. Tesla trucks, more, yeah. more. Yeah.
0: That's so funny. Yeah. Okay. Great. So, so it's in a, in a part of, it's in a a part of Austin that has a ton of land around it. It's very close proximity to downtown. So, like for people, engineers or people that are working at the company that want to experience sort of the city and that life, it's, it's very smartly located there. Okay. Have you seen, um, so you just, I think you mentioned it, you haven't really seen too much development yet, but is there talk, like how much talk is there with developers, companies? Around Tesla's like, like, okay, Tesla's coming here. Let's zone out these areas so that, you know, Tesla can benefit from it or whatever. Like what kind of, what kind of conversations are you hearing?
1: Yeah. I mean, Tesla absolutely put the east side of Austin on the map. So that, that's a very positive thing because it needed it. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of companies that are moving here specifically because to be closer to Tesla. So you have plastics companies, you have you know manufacturing companies uh, on the east side. There's already a ton of development going. I know um, I have a friend who's got a ton of ton of land, and mm. because I'm uh, north of uh, Tesla and south of Tesla, uh, and and then if you look north, like just next to Samsung. You have, next to Samsung, you have uh, a ton of development going in there off of East Palmer. And then on top of that, why in the world would Samsung bring a chip plant to Taylor? Right down that same path, it's right there. The land was cheaper to move to Taylor. Uh, There was a lot of communication there. I don't think there was enough tax dollars for them to move to Austin, so they went to Williamson County. Mm -hmm. Either way, you have a chip plant right there. You have, if you look at uh, San Antonio, Toyota is talking about um, upping their game in San Antonio. So to be, I mean, to compete with Tesla as well. So I think that there's, um, you know, Tesla making their move to Austin, the location of being in Austin, had they been better served going to Dallas because it's easier to get in and out of Dallas, maybe. Mm -hmm. But I think Mm -hmm. the fact that uh, Austin is such a tech city and we're bringing in really good talent by the day, I think it's a great opportunity. I think it was one of the smartest moves. In my opinion. It. And that's not just because I've been in Austin forever.
0: Sure, okay. sure. Yeah, that's and that's so when I when I was working at so I stopped working at Tesla in September of 2021. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if you knew that. But I had yeah. worked at Tesla for for four years. And one of the reasons why one of the big reasons why Austin even became a thing for us to look at was because of the Gigafactory being built. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, even as from that perspective, know it made us look into austin because before you know we had heard that austin's a very fast growing city and all that stuff but that that move of tesla actually coming here is what prompted us to come and look at it um so so i can sort of mirror uh and, and kind of talk about like also back up what you're saying from that perspective like it's really does try to attract talent to that area which is really really cool um and then as far as like the so we talked about it a little bit like the locals and how they perceive Tesla's move here. You know, you've had uh, roots here since you said 2013. Right. Yeah. Uh, since you moved so you, you're familiar with the people. You obviously talk to people often. Is the general consensus from the people that you talk to of Tesla coming here positive or negative? How how do you perceive that?
1: I think it's a good mix. You know, people like myself and my profession are, are happy about it. And not just yeah. because of my profession, but I think Austin has needed growth. There is another subset of people that have been here for a long time that have, that have been part of the pushing against growth in Austin. Mm. And So you're going to have, you're going to have it on both sides. I mean, I I can't say that the, and I won't say that the total move has been, you know, widely appraised because I don't think it has because, you know, they weren't very happy about Apple moving here. They weren't, they're not happy about, you know, the new Samsung plant, but those people have to realize that you have to have some sort of growth in this Mm -hmm. city in order to, look, we have a super high tax base, right? So in order to pay for all the fun things that we do here, you have to have a good tax base. And so there's a lot of things to that. So I would say probably 60-40, you know, people, 60% probably are really excited about it. 40% Mm -hmm. are just people that have been here forever and don't want anything to do with growth. You know, Mm -hmm. there's people that don't like you know, car manufacturers and manufacturing. So they're not happy about having manufacturing here, but we we already have manufacturing here. It's not like they're the only manufacturers in all of central Texas. So mm. um, I think, you know, some of it's unfounded, but uh, you know, I think for the most part, most people are, you know, 60% are probably super excited about it.
0: Okay. And then, and then people's, sort of disdain for manufacturing? Is that because of just, it's, it's ruining the land? Like, help me think about that. Like, why would they not? Yeah, that's primarily, I mean,
1: most of the people are not happy about it. Just the pollution that comes with it, the, you know, just the the things that can happen with, with that, especially when you have a company that has batteries in a car that could, you know, contaminate earth. I I mean, I don't know, but that's, look, we have, if you you look at (laughs) the history of Austin, there's a, a road that got put in next to my house it took them like 10 years to put this road in because you had environmentalists saying that there's a kangaroo rat or something, or there was caves. And we you couldn't do that because it was going to impact the, the area around it. So mm. um, Austin's always been super environmentalist. And so I think that's part of the disdain for those people for um, the plant being here.
0: That's interesting because I always, it's almost like I have to separate Austin from broader Texas because every time yes. I hear about Texas, it's like, super business friendly, very low yeah. regulations, but it does sound like the city of Austin does have a little bit more uh, policies that might reflect more a, a liberal city more than anything, right? 100%. Is that a good way of thinking I mean, about it? Okay.
1: If anybody wants to, like, it, just for anybody, if you want to look up the voting history and how a city actually votes, right? I mean, look, I, I should you base your, your moved anywhere on politics? I mean, that's up to you. But uh a great uh, bestplaces.net there's actually you can go city by city by city to see what the policies are of that area mm-hmm. um so i mean that's a good website if you want to look into that so
0: okay got it thank you for that yeah. um as far as new buyers go so uh your clientele i'm assuming yeah. is mostly new you, you do both buy and sell side is, yeah we is, do
1: both buy okay. and sell so we're a husband wife team i have uh some agents on my team as well and okay. uh we you know we do both i mean okay. we help we help all the way across the board, pretty much Georgetown, all the way down to really San Marcos.
0: Okay, gotcha. Um, so your your clientele, the ones that are looking to buy, how often is Tesla part of the discussion? Or is it is it sort of like, uh, you know, is it That's very few people talk about it? A lot of people talk about it. I'm curious to hear.
1: As far as the, that they're uh, people moving for Tesla or they're excited. Yeah, about moving Tesla? for
0: Tesla, excited about Tesla. Like, well, how often does Tesla come up in conversation?
1: Um, I would say just coming up in conversation with anybody looking to move here every single time gotcha. um, in some capacity. So the excitement for people moving here is Tesla. I mean, I'm super excited. I can't wait for the Cybertruck to come out. I'm, I'm stoked. Mm. Uh, get, I want to talk a, about that, too, at yeah, some point. Yeah, Elon, <laughs> hurry up and get me a Cybertruck, man. I'm, so here's my plan. So, OK, nobody steal this idea. But the moment I get my Cybertruck, I'm getting it wrapped I'm wrapping it in a huge Texas flag with my logo on it. Okay.
0: <laughs> there you go. So if anybody steals that from you, they're they're gonna have a problem. Yeah, I'm gonna find you. I'm gonna give you a high five, but you're gonna get a dirty looked. <laughs> that's so funny. Um okay. So so and that's kind of what I what I suspected. Is there I uh, have you worked, and I don't know if you can uh sort of share this information, but have you worked with any people that are directly moving here for yeah. Tesla? Um yeah, quite can you share few. anything about that? Okay,
1: yeah, quite okay. a few. And you know that. I think the tough thing that they run into is that, you know, the pricing in Austin isn't always super friendly. And right now there's not as many uh, homes available. So Mm. a lot of them are having to rent first, then buy, which becomes even more expensive because as prices go up, as interest rates go up, uh, the challenge is, is that finding anything between really like 350 and 550 without going in crazy multiple offers at the moment is a problem. As we get closer to June, July, my expectation is that we'll start to see a lot more inventory. In fact, that's what we saw last year. And if Mm. you look, prices went up incredibly between uh, January and really June, July, they leveled off. And then after July, they just came crashing down about 10%. Mm. So uh, during that time, I was telling everybody, you have to be like, this is the time to buy. If you're thinking about buying, this is the time to buy that market's going to come back. I know it doesn't look that way because, and, you know, there's channels out there talking about a crash. It's all they talk about is a crash. And what's happened? Prices are coming back up. We're almost back to that peak um, already at mm. the beginning of the year. So, um, you know, that's the thing that they run into. But for the most part, I, a lot of people that work with us that are moving here for Tesla are super excited. So that's, that's a positive. I think Austin is a really great city. I mean, people—most people—are going to love it. In fact, I did a video today that came out on my channel talking about the regret of moving to Austin. And on there, it was about sixty percent of people said they absolutely loved it. Twenty-six percent said they regretted it, and then the rest were people that moved to other cities. So,
0: gotcha. Okay. Um, let's let's talk a little bit about that that market dynamic that's going on in Austin with with yep. the pricing. So, I, I do remember. So when we moved. We, we got super lucky with our primary home. We bought it, it seemed like the, the house was in it, it fell through multiple offers. It was in uh September. Sorry, it was in August of 2020 uh, and it, it fell through multiple offers. And, and that's when the dip, um, so there was two dips okay. in
1: 2020. And that was the second dip was in August.
0: Gotcha. OK, but so maybe they
1: we, maybe they're like four percent dips, but they both came up within a month.
0: OK, got it. Um. So we got our house then and then within like six, eight months uh, when we're working with our realtor and and we started looking at like rental properties and stuff like that, uh, we started seeing this gigantic explosion in pricing, you know, Um, which you kind of talked about. It sort of went from uh, between, when we really started looking for rentals, it was around January, February of 2021. And then I remember our realtor saying, if you don't buy now, it's gonna go up. If you don't buy now, it's gonna go up. Um, how do you see, and you kind of mentioned this a little bit already, but how do you see if you were to have a crystal ball, which nobody has, but, you know, walk us through January through the end of this year, 2022, is it going to have, is it going to have a similar dynamic? Yeah. Um, and if not, um, you know, what are you seeing? I'm, I'm curious to see from your perspective, what are some of your, uh, expectations are for 2022.
1: Cool. And I'll email you a graph so you can, uh, if you're going to edit, you can put it oh, up. Oh, please the do. Yeah, yeah, please do. Um, I'll I'll share it with you. So if you look at last year, primarily from January, so let's let's step back to 2020. We had the craziest year ever in 2020, where pretty much for three months, really no sales were happening. And that was the time to move here. And then people realized, oh, I want to get out of wherever. And then, so you saw this dip and then this crazy up, and then prices got high, and then it dipped again, like it typically does in around the August, uh, September area. And then it went up and it went all the way up through July of last year. And then it dropped about 10%. But even that drop at 10% compared to the highest high at 2020 was about a 15% difference. In fact, the most of the numbers came out at the end of the year saying that we were about 25 to 30% higher than the previous year. So What I see happening for this year is very similar. Obviously, there's a lot of things going on right now in 2022. And it's an election year. Election years are fantastic years in real estate, believe it or not. Um, Every time because think about it, every time there's chaos or something going on, people are trying to buy and latch down into a home, Mm. right? And so that's exactly what's going to happen this year in 2022. Uh, So we're going to see probably not the same spike in growth as we saw in 2021. And that's partly to do with rates rising. Had rates not risen as quickly as they did, I think right now would be even more insane. So I see prices, you know, on my, on my YouTube channel, I put out a poll asking people where prices are. Are they going to be 15% higher than last year? fit below? Or are we going to see a crash? Most people said over 15%. And I agree with that. I think we're probably this year going to see a 12 to 15% from January to December growth um, I think between now and July, now in June, we're going to see a pretty precipitous uh, growth where you see prices go from right now the median's five fifty five in Austin uh, in the MSA. I think it's four eighty five. So that four eighty five in the MSA, which is the Greater Austin area, is probably going to end up around five forty five fifty by the end of the year. Wow. And Austin is probably going to be in the sixes by the time we hit December. Now, you're asking me what time should I buy if you're buying it's tough. I would, I would buy now, obviously, and then keep an eye on if if you can't buy now and like, you're just not in the position, don't. And then I would heavily wait till August, September and October. I wouldn't wait till November, November. Mm. I I would want to be out of the market by November. Um, just because November is when prices start really coming back up. So I would say, if you can't buy now, wait till then. Now you're going to say to me, Jeremy, what about interest rates? Interest rates are going up. We've had Sarah uh, Morris, who's a, a lender on my cha- uh, a lender in Austin on my channel. They're predicting we're going to see interest rates go up and then they're going to drop down after July is what she's anticipating. so if that's if that's an indication, if interest rates drop down and you're in August, we're going to see a lot of people flood back in the market. What happens in August, and I can see you another chart, is that that's when we have more inventories by July. So you have more to pick from, but you're still probably going to be in a multiple offer situation. You're not. I just saw yesterday, uh, 65 offers. A house was listed at 750, sold for 955. So uh, one of my one of my um, uh, lender friends sent it to me, and I put it on my wow. Instagram channel. So um, on my Instagram channel, my Instagram. <laughs> so so yeah. I would say if you're looking at buying, I' would get in between now and March. Actually, March is a really weird month because we have South by Southwest. People are out of town. So maybe look at March uh, because you might not have as much competition in March. And then I would I would keep an eye on prices and maybe wait until August. Um, not many realtors are going to tell you to wait because <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, even if you wait, it could still cost you more between buying in March and then, uh, but I think the competition and not having to be as stressed, um, will be a little bit better for you at that time.
0: Gotcha. Wow. Okay. And so in, in the July timeframe, you mentioned that the, the lending of partner that, that you that, you know, um, predicts. There's a prediction of those rates coming down. So was that a function of more supply? What's what's driving that uh, potential rate decrease? uh,
1: It it has a lot to do with um, the ten year treasury bond uh, coming back down at that time. So that's what she what she was predicting and everybody on her inner circle. But at the same time, you have to take it with a grain of salt because they did not anticipate rates driving up this quickly. Right. So you know, that, and that was my question that I hounded her several times on. Well, what if, like, how do you, how can you go and say that? But, you know, it's not just her that's telling me that's other people. But, okay. I'm also the person telling you that prices are going to go up through July. And I could be wrong at that. But sure, I'm just sure. saying what I've seen year to year to year, that's what the trends looks like. And I try to stay on the trends versus go, oh, I mean, here's a prime example. Yesterday, the stock market went down a thousand points. And everybody's like, "Oh my gosh, you should sell." I bought, I bought right. stock, I right. bought stock around a little, one o'clock, bought and what dip. happened at the yeah, <laughs> and what happened at the end of the day? Stocks were back up, right? So, I mean, you have to look at it that way too. Is if if we see a couple months where prices drop, don't get super worried that they're going to keep dropping. That yeah. might be the time to buy. If you wait, you know, you might yeah. spend spend more money.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so the do you foresee a dynamic where if the, the talk about interest rates really getting heated up, like say, you know, it's it looks really hawkish and then, you know, the Fed's really trying to ramp up rates as quickly as possible. Do you see a flood of buying ahead of that to try and lock in lower rates?
1: I mean, that's what we're seeing right now. 96, okay. uh, sorry, 65 offers on the property that right. was, went listed at 750 and sold for 955. Right. Okay. 205 okay. grand over. I mean, that's crazy. What is that's that? pretty wild stuff. 35%.
0: Thirty. Wow. Yeah, 30%. Wow. Crazy. What a crazy time. <laughs> it and th- and it seems so wild.
1: But here, here, here's the point I was making to people not to wait to January for the longest time. I was telling people, you got to buy before November. Yeah. And if you look at 2021, uh, their inventory, and I'll, I'll send you a clip or something that I found, there was point five months inventory in, or 0.4 months inventory in January of last year, there was 0.4 months inventory in February, 0.5, 0.6, and then went up to about a month inventory and then it dropped back down. And that's obviously August, September, October is when those uh, inventories started coming back down. If you look at January of this year, we're probably gonna be at 0.3. Wow. And when the numbers come out in, you know, middle of uh, February, we're going to be at 0.3 right now. There's 2000 homes available on the MLS uh, I would say 30% of those are new construction that aren't actually able to be purchased and moved into today, mm. right? So if you put a contract on it, you're not moving into 30 days, you're moving into like July of this year and where are rates then? So people are kind of looking at those going, eh. and then 10% aren't even in the Austin area. If you look in, and go out, like people any from anywhere can put a home in the Austin MLS. So 10% aren't. So now you're looking about only 1,300, 1,400 homes actually being available, single family homes on the market. Wow, that's nothing. That's that's nothing.
0: Yeah. So we still we still really have a a very, very small supply to go around. Are you still seeing are you still seeing supply chain issues impacting builders? That's still a deal down here.
1: Well, that and if you look at lumber futures, lumber has come up 100%. Wow. Okay. So I mean because it came down
0: for a while, right? Like it spiked up like crazy, came down, but now it's spiking back up. It's
1: yeah. So the high was like sixteen hundred dollars a board foot or seventeen hundred dollars a board foot. We're about Mm. I think twelve right now. Mm -mm. So I mean we're getting really close. We're coming or approaching the close of the highs. Um, a lot of that has to do with tariffs on Canadian lumber, so that's a problem. Um, you know, I'm not one to talk about tariffs. I know I don't know a lot about tariffs and what that means, but um, tariffs are causing, um, price prices increase in lumber. Um, if you look at a lot of these builders, we're still running into problems where, uh, so what I've been doing for the last week, you know, I had, uh, you know, the, stuff you know the uh the illness that's going around so what we did is email yeah
0: yeah (laughs) Yeah, you you and i both buddy (laughs) yeah
1: so what i did was sent emails to all the builders while i was not feeling well like hey what inventory do you have what do you have coming up and the amount of inventory that's coming up is not very much and a lot of it has to do with they have like nobody building so everybody that's building right now is is coming down with Omicron, so they're not working, right? You have people in the sales office that aren't there. You have uh, lumber, you know, you have uh, uh, framers, you have plumbers that can't come to work. So nobody's building that much anyway. And then getting supplies, the supply chain is having the same issue. People are coming down with Omicron and so they're not at work. So I think the it will get better towards the middle of the year and builders will start selling more. The challenge is though, if you put a contract on a lot of these builders, it's going to take a year to build, if not 15 months. I mean, my house, I'm building a, a an a investment property in New Brunfels and it was supposed to close in November. We're not going to close till April, Whoa, hopefully. Okay. Uh, so that's, that's one part of it. Um, the other thing is a lot of these builders aren't releasing inventory because what they're having to do is say, we don't know where prices are going to go because of lumber. We don't know where prices are. So if we put together, so typically if you walked into a new build, you could say, okay, I want to pick out this lot, this floor plan, these, you know, this paint color, this tile, all that stuff. It's really hard to do that because builders understand that they can't fully price out where those things are going to cost them in the future. So what they're doing is they're specing out all of their homes. So they're saying, all right, we're going to put this lot on this, uh, this property on this lot with these cabinets, this, and they're doing as cheap as possible, right? They're doing the most cost effective as possible. And then as they get to framing stage, now they understand where their costs are and now they can price it four or five months out to closing. So you as a consumer, so check this out. This is where I get frustrated. Is And look, as a, as a builder, I understand you have margins to make. I get it. As a business owner, I understand. But as a consumer, think about this. If you were to go into a new build and you were to just go hog wild and pick out every upgrade you wanted, and let's just say you put up $200,000 in upgrades in this house. Okay. Well, you're going to spend two hundred. dollars So you have your base price, your lot price. You're going to spend two hundred dollars more on all these upgrades, and the house is going to be looking great yeah. how you wanted it. Yep. Well, the builder is now going to charge you $200,000 more for the cheapest stuff they can put in that. house.
0: Oh, wow. So,
1: so you were getting a much lower, I wouldn't say quality, but you're not getting as high end of a product.
0: Yeah. You're not getting what you would have paid for. right? Right.
1: Right. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So that's going to be a problem this year.
0: Wow. So it does seem like all the variables that existed in 2020, 2021, that really made the market shot up. It seems like they all basically exist again. Yeah, you know it, it's, that's what it looks like yeah. Uh,
1: yeah I was quoted I was quoted in Bloomberg by saying twenty twenty believe it or not was a great year twenty twenty one has been a nightmare Jeez. um that was my direct quote now twenty twenty two I' am taking a wait and see approach before I say it's gonna be like that, but we yeah. are already seeing early twenty twenty one interest rates i think will have an impact the the flip side of that is a lot of people are thinking we're going to see a lot of inventory. The problem is, is that people like myself, I would, I would sell my house and go buy another house and upgrade. Right? Mm. The challenge is, I look and go, well, my my interest rate on my house is now two point five five because I got a slam in refi, so my mortgage is super low. If I rent out my house because mortgages are uh, rental rates are just going through the roof right now as well, well, I'm going to make two or three grand a month off of this house. Yeah, I'm going to have to put $300,000 down on whatever 1.2 million million house I'm going to buy. But like most of my mortgage is already paid for it for my rental. So why would I right. sell the house? Makes no sense. Now I have two properties. Uh and then when I sell that house, it's going to be worth even more. So I I think we'll see a limited inventory this year.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. Wow. Okay. Man. Crazy it's, stuff. It's it's, it's so uh, it's so wild. It's so it's just it's such a it's such a seller's market. You know, it's like it's like people that are looking to come in and and really try and take uh find any opportunity that they can to move into the area it's like they have every variable going against them it seems like just because yeah. of all these different market dynamics so it's like but but at the same time if they'll wait <laughs> it seems like yeah you know and, and i think you did a video about this you know elon musk talked about the greatest boomtown in in the last 50 60 years right so yeah. it's like that kind of walks into this as well like like do you agree with that statement do you think 100%. that this is just I mean, we're a we're seeing it okay
1: i mean, I mean look what he said about Austin was that what I've been saying for quite a while is that we are we are set to have major growth. The problem is the city's never been ready for it. And for as much talk as all these building permits are out, like, you know, people say, oh, well, building permits are up 60% in Austin. So the market's going to have all this inventory. They can't build. They still can't build. Just because you get a, a permit doesn't mean that that house is a property, then so it's taking time for all this stuff to build. Will this stuff clear itself out? Yeah, we're going to see it da- We're going to see the other side of this uh, parabola, you know, in 2024, 2025. Um, and, and that's my and, and that's my my thinking is that if you're going to be moving to Austin, you're probably going to be sa- paying the same price, you know, mid 2022 as you would in 2025, because I think we do see prices come back down, but I don't see them being. I I just don't see it where we crash. There's Mm just so much growth here. I mean, think about how how many jobs is Tesla bringing?
0: I think they're planning initially at 10,000 plus plus then some.
1: Planning at 10,000. They just bought more lane on the other side of the Colorado river. So whatever they're doing over there, uh, which I imagine is going to be offices and stuff like that. So I would imagine. So Tesla's bringing in that many people. But think about all the providers that are going to be bringing in manufacturing jobs and manufacturing parts and things like that for Tesla. So it's not 10,000 jobs. It's probably going to be 20, conservatively, 20,000 jobs. And that's just Tesla saying they're bringing in 10. Now you have Samsung, which is facilitating, is one company that's going to be facilitating chips for, for Tesla. They're bringing in another ton of, I mean, $17 billion plant in Taylor. So is this going to slow down? No, it's not. But there will be a point when it does become too unaffordable. And that's a point where you know people will start getting back in the market. Because look at investors. I'm an investor. I buy in the awesome market. You're an investor buying the awesome market. Are you having a hard time buying in the awesome market as an investor right now? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So imagine, imagine I also time... want to <laughs>
0: anymore. Yeah.
1: yeah. But want imagine to <laughs> imagine you see a, a moment of opportunity when the prices drop back down yeah. and our rates aren't crazy. You're going to say, I'm jumping back in because By that time, we'll see rental rates catch up to those prices because that's what one of the critiques about Austin is those rental rates are not caught up to price appreciation. They will. So, you know, investors are going to be back in this market because they know unless Tesla says, I'm leaving, Apple says they're leaving, Meta says they're leaving, Samsung says they're leaving. I I don't see the Austin slowing down.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, I, I agree with you, man. That's, man. Insane dynamics, crazy dynamics. Um, I, want, I want to talk about Tesla a little bit more. Sure. Um, so I always
1: love talking about Tesla.
0: Yeah, nice. Uh, talk to me about how did you disco- how did you discover Tesla? Like, when did you hear about it? Uh, I'm really curious. You know, a lot of my followers are you know we're all big Tesla fans. I've been following the company since 2012, 2013. But I'm curious, what's your Tesla journey like? How did you how did you come across Tesla, Elon, and all that stuff? Curious to hear.
1: Uh, as far as like when I well, I mean, so. As Tesla started growing, I was super excited about the opportunity. I had a lot of friends that were buying Teslas at the time. So uh, I thought, uh, here's the one thing everybody always asks me, like, would you buy a different EV? And I always say, look, the new Rivian truck, I like it. It looks great. The new Ford truck, I love it. It looks great. The Cybertruck is kind of out there, but I'm sure it's going to look really cool when it comes out. But here's the deal. I'll never buy a non-Tesla EV. And the the reason why is the infrastructure. Do you know how hard, like I drive to South Padre and I take my Model Y, which my wife has a beautiful X5 and we fit more stuff into my Model Y than we can fit in her big SUV. So every time I'm like, see, look, see all the stuff we got in this thing. You didn't even realize it. (laughs) And there's two charging points on the way down to South Padre. There's not a very great one in South Padre, but there's, Um, there's chart, but Rivian doesn't have that. The Ford doesn't have that. And I mean, I can sit and charge my car and fart at people. I mean, that's the greatest thing about my car. To <laughs> right. Begin with. Yeah. So, um, but as far as like when I heard Tesla was coming in here, I I had heard through the grapevine that Elon was looking at stuff. I mean, obviously, when some of the stuff comes out, because I have a YouTube channel, people, you know, hey, did you hear this? Just like I made the announcement about Disney stuff happening here, and then that guy yeah. almost got sued, so that was interesting. Mm. But, um, <laughs> but when I was finding out about it, I actually did a video saying, hey. Elon, these are the reasons why you should pick Austin, because at the time it was between Austin and I think Tulsa. And That's so I right. did a video like, hey, Elon, if you want to move, like you, this, these are the reasons you should move to Austin over Tulsa. Uh, and so since then, because I've done videos like that, I've worked with a lot of Tesla employees. I mean, we probably close two to three Tesla employees a month as far as either buying, buying a home. Uh, I don't do a ton of rentals. I have an agent now that we brought on that is... Facilitating some of our rentals, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, so it's it's been it's been interesting,
0: interesting. And then as far as like your your close group of friends and say your you know family, how is um because you know you've seen you you kind of see that Tesla sort of uh, infrastructure. How big of a advantage that seems to be versus other manufacturers, right? How yeah. how do you like people that you talk to, people that might not be as familiar with the company or perhaps. They are like what? What does that look like? Are people realizing that advantage with Tesla as well, or are, is it still kind of not well understood? Like as far as it being an EV that's a legitimate yep. replacement for a gas car, I'm curious to hear.
1: Um I let's just say that my referral program is doing well. Okay. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. Um, here's the deal, and, and I think. You know everybody that watches this channel probably understands this but a lot of people because i've been driving a model y for a little over a year a lot of people are now asking me like what about how how is your model y what do you think about your model y yeah. and i i would like to get the model x and get bigger and that's just because you know personal things i love the model y i might mm-hmm. keep keep both but i'm wa- i'm also waiting for the truck to come out but what people are asking me and what i'm telling them about the model y and why i like this product is primarily because the infrastructure, number one, number two, it's it is a more tech forward vehicle. So you do get a lot of really great features in it. And on top of that, is that the biggest problem in a lot of these major cities is that gas prices are out of control. Like a lot of people that call me moving to to Texas are like gas prices are high. Now that in in Texas has always been super low. Like I remember before biden took office gas prices were in texas for like a dollar sixty a gallon
0: yeah it was crazy
1: low dollar seventy five a gallon and now as gas prices are coming up in texas a lot more people are reaching out to me like hey give me more information about your model Y. what do you think about it should i get it should i get a model three do you think i should get the model x what should i get and so a lot more people are reaching out to me and you know obviously, we talk about Tesla on my YouTube channel. And so a lot of people reach out to me for that reason. But a lot of my friends are looking at EV options, because gas prices are getting so high.
0: Wow, that's, that's very interesting to hear. That was a shock for me when I moved to Texas. Like I knew Texas produces its own oil. And it's an energy rich state. Um, I remember when we so we lived in Pennsylvania and gas was around I think like 320 when we moved like 330. And then it was like you said, like a sixty, you know, a 50 i I'm like, what the yeah. hell? It feels like I'm like back in 1999 or something <laughs> in the United States or something when it was super, super cheap. So that's very interesting to hear. So gas prices seem to be a legitimate, a legitimate variable for people to want to move to EVs uh, from your from your experience, which is yeah, interesting.
1: And, and everybody always asks me about the charging, right? Um, yeah. And what about the charging? You charge at home in... I think that's that's the biggest concern. Is I think people have the concern because they can go to any gas station, um, that it's it's easier just to have a gas vehicle. And I say, well, let me ask you this, you know, especially people in my profession, like how much time do you spend in your car writing emails, responding to clients, responding? So if you were to drive around town all day and you had to charge, now there's more stations in Austin, which is fantastic. Elon, please bring more, but. Now that there's more stations, you can sit for 20 minutes, send out your emails, charge your car, and then you're gone and you're on Mm -hmm. the road. It's not that big of an issue. And as somebody who drives around a lot and who just had to uh, uh, replace two tires on my Model Y because I drive around so much, I'm at the Charger once, maybe twice a month, very rarely. And I drive around all over. so. Uh, I think that's why people are looking more towards an EV option is they're realizing that it's not as big as a hassle. In fact, I always feel weird driving to a gas station now like they know I'm getting snacks. I know, yeah, that's, they know that's what I'm getting.
0: <laughs> <laughs> same. It's like I'm completely exposed because yeah. I am like I always feel weird pulling up or, you know, I'm trying to like clean my windshield or something, you know, uh, while I'm at the gas station. W- would you say that so that is a Tesla a good real estate agent car? Like, would you? A hundred percent. Okay. I,
1: yeah. And a lot of realtors reaching out to me and they're, they're considering between the Y and the X and the three. And then, so I always tell them, go for, just go and spend the money on the X. And they go, it's mm. oh, $120,000. I'm like, is it really $120,000? Right. Well, yeah, it's 120. 000. I don't want to buy 120. 000. I'm like, look. And uh, one of my good Tesla friends explained this to me, it, you know, obviously, you know, once you're paying less in gas and all that stuff, that's one part of it. But it, let's say you pay, you know, you put... Ten thousand dollars down, and you're paying X amount per month for the vehicle. Yeah, you have a hundred twenty thousand dollars car, which is obviously keeping their value. But by the time you go to trade that in for something else, you've maybe spent thirty grand on it, forty grand. I mean, right. how much you really like? It's not a hundred twenty thousand dollars car. So that's how it's explained to me. And it's smart because I mean, yeah, you're buying a five hundred thousand dollars house, but are you really buying a five hundred thousand dollars house? You're putting twenty percent down, so you're putting, you know. Whatever that is, 150 grand down, and then by the time you've done financing it, you're you've paid 225 thousand dollars. Then you sell it, and then you make a ton of money. Mm-hmm. So I mean, well, right now you're making something. You might not always make a ton of money, so I better back up there. But th- you're making all your money back, is what I'm saying. So it's a good right. investment. So I see a Model Y, the X. Um, I can't wait for the Cybertruck. I think they're all a decent investment.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then and what you take and then what you do, like your ride alongs with your clients and stuff, like how often how often is it someone's first time in a Tesla? Do you still encounter that? Like, I'm curious to yeah. hear because you probably so, do that a lot, right?
1: Yeah. So uh, uh, the one of the writers from Bloomberg came out and we jumped in my car and drove around to show him stuff. He the entire time we are in my car. Was asking me about my YouTube channel and be like, "Oh, this car's so nice. This car does this. I love this car." Like, tell me because he lived in New York and had never been in a Model Y. Mm. And so these cars. And by the time we got out, he kept asking me more. I'm like, "Hey, do you want a referral code? give <laughs> like, <like, come> <laughs> you some charging miles." Yeah.
0: That's awesome. That's yeah. very very cool. Um, Cybertruck. So you said you're very very excited about the Cybertruck. Why is that? What's what's so exciting about that car?
1: Well, look, so, I mean, this is Texas. And so when I moved to Texas, I, being in real estate, I bought a really nice Mercedes. I thought you needed a really nice Mercedes that, it's not Dallas, it's not LA, right? So you don't need that. So I know a lot of realtors drive nice trucks and I stage properties, we go hunting in Texas, we do a lot of things, so you need a truck. And so the fact that there's gonna be an EV option for a truck, I would much rather buy an EV option for a truck than a gasoline truck. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why. But having that same ability, having a nicer version of a regular gasoline truck in Texas is huge, especially when I can wrap it in Texas flag.
0: Yeah, that's. And and do you think that the do you think that the Cybertruck's going to have long term success with like truck buyers? Because that's something that's something that we always talk about in the Tesla community. Like, Uh, you know, what's. Yeah.
1: Every time you see Elon driving around to the new facility and you see the Cybertruck that he's driving around, every time you see it, you go, oh, that looks cool. Or, Or that thing is the ugliest thing I've seen. But the more you see it, just like the DeLorean, the more you see it, the more you go, okay, that thing's kind of cool. And yeah, so I yeah. think because it was such an out there design, a lot of people like, no, this is not an option. I'm not doing this. I want to go buy the Rivian or buy something else. But the more you see that truck and you see people standing in the back and be like, Dang, that's a really cool looking truck. Yeah. And then you see all the options you can do on it. And then you see, um, you know, obviously having an EV versus a gasoline, I think it's going to be a really big option. And, you know, Rivian was what, um, rivian was uh valued at what, 90 billion or whatever something it was something like that, something yeah. Like yeah. that. and yeah. once the tesla once the cybertruck starts hitting the ground i guarantee you it's it's going to be a talking piece and i think that's where it's just going to be a bigger bigger option and people are going to want it even more
0: yeah i agree with you 100 percent. i think i think the the design is very is the is genius it doesn't need a logo right like yeah. it's you can no. just it's triangle. You know, it's a triangle on the road. People are like, holy crap, you know, they'll know what it is. It's gonna yeah. you know, Elon's talked about transforming the the look of the road. And I and I do I do believe that's gonna be the case. I think it's it's gonna surprise a lot of people. And I think uh I, I was speaking with somebody, his name's <laughs> It is might top. cause
1: a lot of accidents because people are gonna go, Whoa. Yeah, right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's gonna be yeah. freaking weird. Yeah. It's gonna be really, really weird. I'm very excited for mine. I have one on order and, and I can't wait to get my hands on mine. I just have to which have to one did you get? Did
1: you get the one, two or three
0: motor? I got the three motor one, of but course. there's talks, Sorry, there's talks that there might be a four motor one. I think uh, they have an earnings call tomorrow where I think Elon's going to give an update on the product roadmap. And there's rumors that the three motor is going to be replaced with a four motor because it's going to crab walk or whatever. So uh, those are the rumors. Oh, I man. don't know what, if that's going to be. Yeah, me too. Take my money, Yeah. money. Same. Um, I know we're coming up on an hour and you have a fight to catch here soon. Uh, Did you want to sort of share any last thoughts about Austin or Tesla before we wrap this up?
1: Yeah. So, you know, one last thought about Austin, you know, I've, I've said a lot of things that probably alarmed people about moving to Austin. I will say this, there is still a lot of growth that's happening here and the potential for Austin from a growth standpoint Yeah, it's expensive now, but it's probably going to be more expensive in the future. So getting in is definitely still a good idea. Uh, Austin as a city is a fantastic city. There's so many wonderful things about Austin as a city that I don't think people understand. The culture here is overall fantastic when you go, so uh, there's a coffee shop. I love down South and a lot of coffee shops are like this. It's an outdoor coffee shop. You go in get your coffee, sit outside. There's Wi-Fi out there. Obviously you have a taco truck, a barbecue truck, and it's a huge open area and it's beautiful. And it's cosmic coffee. My favorite place. There's a lot of coffee joints like that. If you're into like craft drinks, there's a lot of like craft breweries that are coming out. And so I think because Austin has such a good culture of people here, I do think that it, it's going to be one of those places to continue to see, I think it's going to start getting underestimated. Right. Cause now like mm-hmm. it was always under, I mean, it was always like, Oh, Austin's this thing. And so it became, now people are saying it's over, uh, you know, overvalued or it's overpriced or, um, you know, it's overhyped. I think it's only the beginning of the hype for Austin. I really do. And so, I mean, I saw the writing in the wall back in 2012 when I moved here. Now, as far as Tesla being here, I think, you know, for the people that, don't want Tesla being here. You know, I think you're being a little narrow-sided, but at the same time, your, your your opinion's your opinion. I think Tesla being here was part of the impetus for Austin finally getting the credit it deserves.
0: Got it. Yeah, I, I want to echo the thing about Austin being, you know, me being new to the area and you mentioned about the people being so, it really, I was so shocked. I was so initially weirded out by how nice people were. I'm like, are people being legit? Like when yeah. you're, cause it felt like they actually, when they asked me, how you doing, you know, sir, how you doing, sir? I'm like, I'm good, but why are you asking me like that? Like it seems like you're really concerned about me or something like that. So it was very like weird because I didn't experience that very much in the Northeast where I'm from originally. But um, the warmth of the people is one of my favorite things about the area, and I am super, super, super excited for for its long term potential, especially as more um, you know tech companies come in and other other parts of the you know it's, it's going to be a very unique melting pot, I think. And Austin has a chance to really, you know, try and keep some of its roots that really make it as charming as it is, while also yep. be accepting of those that come in. And I think ultimately, long term, that's going to be a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. And, yeah, I'm and I am very much I excited think it's for really it.
1: important what you just said that Austin keep that that culture alive. Yes. And so and that's, I think what people are worried about as as we grow. But that yeah. is by far, if we lose that culture, then yes, Austin's just another Houston. It's just another Dallas. I mean, Dallas is unique in its own way. But Um, it's just another city on a map. So one thing I will tell anybody that's watching your channel, if you're thinking about moving to Austin, you will start hearing people say y'all. Yes. Instead of you guys, you know, they say y'all, you will start saying it sarcastically. And within two or three months, you'll catch yourself saying y'all like for real, like y'all like, wait, I, did, did I just say that? Like I say that on purpose or was I joking? (laughs) I can't tell anymore. So uh, yeah. And that's, that's the thing is like, people are so friendly here. And I think, you know, the culture here, as long as we can keep that awesome culture, it it definitely is going to be a place to move to.
0: I agree, man. I agree. Jeremy, thank you so much for coming on. You Um, want to throw any
1: socials for people that where they can follow you? Yeah. Uh, you follow me at the real Jeremy Knight on Instagram. Obviously, just YouTube my name, Jeremy Knight. You're moving to Austin Guide. Yeah, I follow my YouTube channel. We put out videos every week. I have a live stream on Tuesday or Wednesday nights, depending on the week at 7pm. And we talk all about the market, all the fun stuff, all the things you need to know. So, there you go.
0: Awesome. All right, y'all. Thank you very much. Uh, Jeremy, take it easy, man. Thank you again for coming on and we'll see you guys Appreciate on the next one.